technologies. Geoengineering. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Alex. And I'm Anthony. And my first story is food news. This is from USA Today. Oreo wine? Barefoot teams up with cookie brand for red wine with hints of chocolate. Okay, I'm all for this. <laughs> Thought you might I'm be. in. I know Immediately. I, I, you might be. You're a little bit of an Oreo fan. A little from what bit. I, from what I understand. A little bit. I may still have my unfinished Pokemon Oreo collection over there in a container. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it now. I never found a Mew. Oh, yeah. Those are rare. Yeah. Apparently people were... I think I told you people were selling those for like yes, you did a hundred thousand dollars or something ridiculous. Oh, like you that. got that hot? Yeah, oh, no, I yeah. saw ten thousand. Like, oh, maybe it was ten. Either way, still ridiculous. But anyway, yeah. Um, this is not ten thousand dollars. This is Oreo Thins and Barefoot Wine announcing on Tuesday that they have teamed up with a small batch release called Barefoot Cross Oreo Thins Red Blend Wine. It's not a great. <laughs> name um pretty standard okay uh yeah uh the the wine will be available starting thursday which is when we're recording for 24.99 while supplies last at barefootwine.com slash oreo thins uh but don't bother going because i checked uh before we recorded and it is already sold out oh so uh sorry if you got your hopes up i just wanted to i just wanted to get that out there sooner rather than later so people weren't (laughs) scrambling for the website and yeah, Aww. it's gone already. Sorry. Uh, each delivery order would have included two bottles of the 750-milliliter wine. That's a weird way to state that. And a package <laughs> of Oreo Thins cookies. Uh, the red blend includes, quote, f- flavors of chocolate and cookies and cream along with notes of oak. I don't know how they got the cookies and cream part in there, but... Uh, it's like dusting of Oreo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and they said that the wine was also crafted to be enjoyed together as a perfect pairing. So, I mean, okay. that's, yeah. I thought that was the point. Um, but yeah, like I said, it's already gone. <laughs> and that's the whole that's story. Sad. There's, there's nothing more to it. Uh, I would have absolutely tried this. Yes, 100%. Given the opportunity, if I had found it when I went to the website, I would have ordered some. But no such luck, unfortunately. <sighs> yeah. Oh, well. In the meantime, I guess you could just get wine and Oreos. Yeah. And, and just eat mash them up the together. Oreo and put it in the wine and yeah. swirl it around. And yeah, make, it make a, a paste kind of a in gritty, there. Gritty red wine. And then put it through like a filter. Oh, yeah. That's, when a, good, you pour that's it. a good next step. There you go. And then it wouldn't have the mush in it. When you drink the wine. My idea was just to leave the Oreo pulp in it and drink that. <laughs> This is why we're a great team. (laughs) (laughs) All right. My first story is random local news. This is from the BBC.com. And I I love this story for some reason. The headline is T-Rex gets Christmas jumper at Natural History Museum in London. That's amazing. I hope there's a picture. There is. Yes. Uh, quick note that this, since this is, is a British news site, they say jumper instead of sweater, but they yeah, mean yeah, sweater. Yeah. In case anybody didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yes. It's a good clarification. So um, a giant Christmas sweater has been created for a an animatronic Tyrannosaurus Rex <laughs> at London's Natural History Museum. Um, 
It is, uh, the, the sweater was made by a family-run firm called British Christmas Jumpers. This group has previously produced sweaters for Ed Sheeran and the Houses of Parliament, which is Wait, like very the, random. Like, like the, the government. Oh, the people in... The, sorry, yes, the people... The I wasn't people sure if their the... thing was like making jumpers for things that shouldn't have them. So it's just like... They wrapped the entire parliament in a sweater. <laughs> the building of parliament and also Ed Sheeran. Why is he there? <laughs> well, I'm That's just amazing. Saying, I'm just saying no, he, yeah, that no, he they shouldn't mean, have a jumper. That's, they mean, I, I'm assuming they mean the, the people in the British yeah, government. They made, they made Christmas sweaters for them. For, so they make them for like famous people or I guess, I don't know. And landmarks. Um, director um, Snal Patel said that the latest design was the company's biggest job yet. And it took staff a hundred hours to complete the wow, sweater. That's a lot. It is twelve times heavier than a regular sweater, and also human-sized versions are available to buy from the museum gift shop. Oh, that's nice. And that's yeah to support the museum and maybe also this company. I don't know, but it, here it is. You can't really tell how big it is from this photo, but it's just like <laughs> very good. It's it just is, like yes, it's kind of very cute. festive. Also, the, the fact that they had to make tiny little arms. <laughs> yeah, the, ti- the tiny arm holes. The tiny little arm yeah. holes for a T-Rex. <laughs> it's very good. I enjoyed nice this. nice and warm. Yeah. My next story is science news. This is from Gizmodo. The headline is... We're a step closer to geoengineering the oceans. I'm interested in what that means, because I don't know. <laughs> I was too. Uh, so on Wednesday, the National Academy of Sciences released a new report laying out six avenues to alter the oceans in an attempt to pull more carbon dioxide out of the sky and store it for centuries to come. Um, so, yeah, geoengineering is just like the like study, I guess, of using the world like engineering earth itself to do things and in this case it's to reduce carbon in the air um huh so all six ideas are far from ready for implementation but the report is essentially a roadmap for a research program and legal framework for the techniques um the article points out that oceans already absorb a quarter of humanity's carbon emissions i did not realize that it was that much Um, The most commonly studied form of ocean geoengineering is iron fertilization, which would encourage plankton blooms to suck up carbon. Uh, That just, it it literally just means like dumping a bunch of iron into the ocean. And that would just like encourage these plankton blooms apparently, Hmm. which would absorb because they're plants. Um, Other uh, techniques include seaweed cultivation and ecosystem restoration. Those are kind of like the most, they, this article seemed to think they were the most obvious ones, I guess. <laughs> um, but like seaweed cultivation would have essentially the same effect because you'd be creating more plants. Yeah. Um, and ecosystem restoration obviously would restore the ecosystem, ecosystem which, <laughs> which is uh, just good, which is a good thing to do. I don't really understand how it decreases um, that, but uh, the other three are more unusual and unlikely. Uh, the first one was inducing artificial upwelling and downwelling so that the ocean water on the surface takes up more carbon and then siphons it down to the deep sea. So basically hmm. like art, like artificially making the ocean like cycle of the water that's like closest to the surface and therefore absorbing the most carbon. It's an interesting idea, but also hmm. 
I don't know how you would even go about doing it. Like, what would you do? A giant fan in the ocean that just. A fan. I don't know. Um, The second one was uh, putting lime or other alkaline agents in the ocean, which would reduce ocean acidification and allow oceans to take up more carbon pollution. Okay, that seems like that could disrupt the natural wildlife, though. Yeah, there's. And they did comment on that in this article as well, like both that and like the idea of like iron fertilization, like they have to really know for sure that they're not going to just completely mess up the, like the ecosystem itself anyway, like to the point where we like cause some other like mass extinction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 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 (laughs) Uh, So the third uh, idea was electrochemical carbon removal, which is pumping seawater through machinery that would draw carbon dioxide out of it and then safely store it away. So, basically processing the seawater that is there to remove the carbon from it, put it somewhere, and then, like, return that seawater so that it can absorb more carbon. Oh, because then it would be able to re- absorb more because we took yeah. some out of it, basically. Yeah. So That makes sense. That's apparently a thing that we can do. Um, okay. So the article also pointed out all the techniques have multiple hurdles to overcome, ranging from feasibility to regulatory. Uh, because the oceans are, in fact, not like owned by any particular governing body, so it would have to be something that everyone agrees on because it's all connected. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Dumping tons of iron into the ocean, for example, like I said earlier, could have unintended consequences on marine life and fisheries. Right. Um, while uh, zapping carbon dioxide out of ocean water would require large amounts of energy itself, so we'd have to be using some form of clean energy, or else we're probably just offsetting the any yeah. benefit that we get from it. So there's a lot of work to do here, but I thought it was really fascinating and it's good to know that people are thinking about this because yeah. it does seem like the only way we're going to be able to like not burn the earth alive I mean, is to pull yeah. stuff out of the air. Like, like the, the car, yes, tackling the carbon issue is, is huge. Right. Um, yeah, I never would have thought to like use though. I didn't know that the ocean absorbed so much carbon already. Like what you said. Like, yeah, that's, like a quarter of it. I already. didn't, I just learned that. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm glad there's people tackling it from all different angles, and that this. So I'm all for that. This yeah. is a cool angle to tackle it from. Yeah, because we're clearly not going to like stop emitting carbon and, like enough anytime soon. So yeah. we got to find a way to get it out of there once it's up there, right? <laughs> or else we are right. not in good shape. So yeah, yeah sounds good to me. Sounds Ge- like a good plan. I hope they can figure something out. And yeah. I learned what geoengineering means. Me too. I didn't know that either. Okay, my next story is animal news. This is from theguardian.com. Headline is, Mesmerizing, a massive murmuration of budgies is turning central Australia green and gold. And um, I picked this story because I didn't know what half the words meant. (laughs) (laughs) You've never heard the term murmuration before? I didn't know that word. Now I do. Yeah. You probably know it though. I did actually. I feel like you know things like that. For some reason, yeah. This is this is the information I keep in my brain. Not useful things. Just like oh, a murmuration of birds. Yes. <laughs> oh, well, I, I know like a gaggle of geese. I know yeah. that one. Mm-hmm. Same idea. A murder of crows. Murder of crows. Very good one. But I didn't know murmuration. A parliament of owls. Oh yes, I forgot about that. It's a really that's good the one. best one. Yeah, I yeah, really like that so one. Good. That's that's probably my favorite actually. Yeah. Uh, so if you don't know, a murmuration is a phenomenon where thousands of birds are flocking together. Uh, and budgies also know, well, the, that's the short name. The full name is budgerigars. Budgerigars? 
Oh, I didn't know I that. I think is, I, I had to look up how to pronounce this. Um, that's a type of bird. They're cute, like green and yellow birds. And they live in Australia. And there is this huge, 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 huge flocking phenomenon happening right now. <laughs> um, yes, a massive murmuration of budgerigar birds has swarmed the Northern Territory in Australia. Photographer Steve Pierce has captured the natural phenomenon, explaining the sheer quantity of birds. It, it's so mu- it's so big that it actually causes changes to the air pressure if you're like near it. Oh wow! That's how many birds there are. Like you can feel. He says that you can actually feel the air like it's a bird shifting storm. and stuff. It's like it's li- <laughs> yes, it's like literally a bird storm. There's thousands of these birds, um, and so he, this photographer, actually took all these photos of the this swarm and the guardian. They had the like all the pictures. I copied a couple of them, but they're cool photos. I don't know. Um, so according to this article, uh, budgies are nomadic. They need to drink water daily. Um, so as smaller watering holes dry up, they're forced to congregate together where the water is. So that's how the flocks form naturally. Um, but like one this big is really rare. So that's why it's news. Um, and apparently I thought this was interesting. The most, according to this article, at least the most important factor that went into like the ability for this explosion of bird life to be able to happen is the presence of old trees in the area because (laughs) These birds, they they nest in tree hollows, in, like, dead trees and, like, dead branches and stuff. Um, And apparently there's, like, a lot of dead trees around, which allowed the population to, like, explode or something. So I don't know why That's interesting that they're that that picky. Um, But, yeah, they they nest in, like, dead branches and stuff. Or trees with, like, hollows in in Mm -hmm. them. Huh. All right. So... Yeah, so here's a couple of pictures. Um, this is one picture, kind of a oh, close-up my gosh. photo. And this is a further away photo of these that's, birds. That's <laughs> it, There's a lot. We have a mutual friend who is afraid of birds, and I feel like this is her actual nightmare. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, these are like scenes from the that movie The oh, Birds. Yeah. yeah, that's like what this Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I thought that was fun. So, budgies. I, yeah, I didn't know that it was short for something. That's yes. That's that's my takeaway from this. Budgerigars. Budgerigars. It's the full name. It's like Beauregard. Yeah. Yes, but a, but a bird. Yeah. My next story is technology news. This is from Engadget. Italian researchers have built a humanoid robot they, that may one day fly like Iron Man. Whoa! I don't know why they said like Iron Man. It's got a jetpack. It doesn't have the hand things. That would be oh. more impressive. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Daniel he- uh, Pucci, head of the Artificial and Mechanical Intelligence Lab at the Italian Institute of Technology, has strapped a fully functional backpack onto the back of an Iron Cub synthetic humanoid uh, with hopes of eventually blasting it into the sky. Um, yeah, I'm realizing now from the phrasing of that that I don't think they've actually made it fly. They just have simulations of it so far. But Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, Pucci's team believes that such systems could one day act as first responders to the roughly 300 natural disasters that uh, kill people annually worldwide because they could get to places where people couldn't. 
Um, humanoid robots have an advantage over others when it comes to disaster response because they can more easily manipulate a world, which is already designed for human use. Um, however, when a natural disaster occurs, much of that human-centric infrastructure could become rendered impassable, which negates many of the advantages. So by combining uh, humanoid design with the capability of flight, the team can leverage the best aspects of both technologies. So that's kind of where they're coming from with this. It's like, it's a flying person, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. Um, uh, they also believe that aerial humanoid robotics can be used as a test bed for flying exoskeletons for human beings. So that's another possibility. That's here. cool. Um, but I'll be honest, half the reason I brought this story is because the picture of the robot is terrifying. <laughs> oh, 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 but I, okay, it's let's so wait scary. Till, I want to see it. What? <laughs> what the? That's how, oh my God, it's, it's nightmare fuel. It's so scary. It's like a pale white baby face with like giant eyes that have eyelids for some reason. (laughs) It's so, it looks like a giant, I'm like, oh my, it's worse every time you see it. It's like, oh, it's so creepy. It's, it's so I don't know. I don't know if it's even really like the uncanny valleyness. It's not oh, even no. that. It's not even that. It's just like a creepy doll-looking thing. It looks like I don't know, like a child that's gonna murder you wearing a mask. Like it's so spooky. I do not like it. Yeah, it, it looks dangerous. Yeah, I don't know it does. why, but it does. Like I see that, and I think like danger. I mean, it does kind of look like it has blaster arms or something that it could like shoot you with. So. It's like, I don't like. And it's that. even got an expression on his face, like it's kind of like look. Yeah, like, it's, like why is its it, head is tilted yes. down and it's looking up? It, it it's looks very like, scary. It looks like yeah, when you when you're like looking at somebody, but you like tilt your head forward, but you're still looking at them. It's like that is the expression it has. Why? I don't know. Why did it's, they do this? It, why? Yeah, like it can be humanoid without having a face. Yeah, <laughs> like for I, starters, I think but like maybe it would have been less scary one. if it didn't even have a face. Yeah, I think that would be preferable. That's probably would still be a little bit unnerving, but yeah, it wouldn't be like this. Like, just give it like a sphere head and draw a smiley face on it. It would be fine. Like we don't need this. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like it. It's so I don't bad like it every time I look at it. Anyway, Ooh. that's that's the main reason I brought this story. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, the that's applications a good are that's interesting or whatever. Yeah, but, but the main story that, here that is that robot thing is so is creepy. Scary. It's creepy. It's so scary. They need to redesign the yeah. head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just take it off, honestly. Just, just take off the just, just If it was headless, off. it'd be even better. It'd be better. Wow. Okay, my next story is science news. This is from SciPost.org. And the headline is, Having your camera on during virtual meetings promotes Zoom fatigue quotes, especially among women and newer employees. Huh. New findings that I'm not surprised by. Yeah, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, yep, no, that all checks out. Yeah, yeah, yeah it checks out. Um, so experimental findings published in the Journal of Applied Psychology have revealed that employees who had their cameras on during virtual meetings experienced greater fatigue and in turn reduced performance during meetings. Very interesting. Yes, um, it is. The researchers proposed that being on camera during a virtual meeting might contribute to fatigue by triggering triggering self-presentation needs, which is defined as a 
cognitively demanding process whereby a person closely monitors and regulates their behavior in order to present themselves positively. Yep. So I'm like, yeah, yeah I do that every 100%. single every single uh, time. I'm definitely the person in the meeting staring at myself the entire time Same. I'm in the meeting. I've Same. Never I will openly at another person in a Zoom I, meeting. I am like so bad. Like the thing in the corner, I'm just staring at my own face. Like the entire. Yeah. And if I ever like look like if I ever move my eyes to look at somebody, I become self-conscious of the fact that my eyes just move to look at somebody. So it's like, like it's, it's all it's terrible. Just, it's I just, it. it's uncomfortable. Yeah. So, um, the researchers further proposed that sci- that since impression management is especially important for women and newer employees, these two groups could be more sensitive to the self-preservation effects of camera use. Um, so after surveying a bunch of people that were in remote work environments and using virtual meetings, an analysis of the data did reveal that um, neither the number of meetings per day nor the number of hours spent in meetings was significantly related to fatigue levels. However, having the camera on during the meetings was positively associated with fatigue. Hmm. Um, and as predicted, the effect was even stronger among women compared to men and among newer employees compared to employees with greater tenure hmm. where they were working. So, yeah, that would make sense. Cause those are groups that would like society has deemed must present themselves in a certain way. Right. Yeah. I think, yes, the, the women thing is just a social thing, mm-hmm. society, societal thing. And the newer employee thing is just cause you don't really like know the yeah, people. And so you want to, you want to give a good, good impression, go to give a good impression. Right. So that makes sense. Yeah. But if you, it's like people that you've worked with for a long time, you'd kind of like yeah, know them already. It's more comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, that so, totally lines up with like my experience where it's like, uh, in my daily stand up with the team that I work with every day, like I'm fine. Cause like I see these people every day, <laughs> but yeah, like right. in any other meeting where it's like people and I have my camera on, I'm so exhausted. Then earlier this week I had a meeting where I had my camera off because I was only kind of there if like they specifically needed to ask me a question mm-hmm. and I was fine. Like it was just, I didn't, that was like an hour and a half long meeting and I didn't feel like anything like, I mean, I was also working. Yeah. It takes so time, much. It's just like it, 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 I totally agree with you though. Like it's so I've exhausting. been in, in, in meetings where like I can, if I, you know, if, if it's a type of meeting that, yeah, if I'm just there, I'm just kind of listening. Like, I don't really need to be, like, saying anything. Sometimes I will just, like, or or if it's, like, a huge group of people or something, it's, like, I'll just turn the camera off mm-hmm. just because I don't really need to be, like, say, you know, saying anything. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, like, it's almost like this weight off your shoulders where you're just, like, oh, I can just relax and just sit here, like, listen and just pay attention and not be worried about what my face looks mm-hmm. on this thing. Because when I'm on, I'm just, yeah, I just end up just staring at my face. Yeah. No, and I do and a lot of uh, interviews too. And so I, but like, there's been whole interviews that have gone by and it's like, I realize I've like not looked at the candidate like more than once or twice just to confirm that they were there. <laughs> like, I just, it's, I'll like look over. Yeah, it's, it's like, really oh, that's hard. right. That's what they look like. <laughs> Cause yeah. I've, it's, yeah. it's, and it's like, that's just constant new people. So I feel like, that's kind of similar to the new employee thing where it's just like, well, I like, this is the yeah. only impression this person is probably ever going to get of me. Like, yeah. It's situations where you feel like are, you feel more formal or you feel like you need to like mm-hmm. be setting a, showing a good impression of yourself. Yeah. Yes. The, the mental fatigue of being on meetings like that is like so high. And I felt it. I, I, ne- I never would have thought to th- I don't know. I never like thought about like, oh, it's the camera, you know. Like, I wasn't necessarily thinking that, but this research totally makes sense. I mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, totally. It does, and it's interesting. Yeah, 
Like, and I feel like one-on-one meetings don't bother me as much either. Cause at least then I know like the person is focusing like on me or themselves. <laughs> like it's not like the uh, big group ones yeah. where it's just like, I don't know at any given point if somebody's looking at me or not. And like, I think that's what contributes to my stress at least. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if I feel any different with like the one-on-one meetings, but hmm. one time <laughs> scarring, emotionally scarring. One time <laughs> I was in a meeting on Google meet that was recorded um, and somebody else was presenting their screen the whole time. And I, I left my camera on during it because that was early on when I hadn't learned that, oh, it's okay turn, turn your camera off, off yeah. so in certain situations. And, like, for some reason in the recording, it, like, went to my face and was, like, it had my – while somebody else was talking and presenting, it just had my face just sitting there, like, watching it for, like, 30 minutes. It was it, I was, like, I cannot believe – that this exists now because they that recorded it and shared awful. it with a bunch of people. And I was like, I am emotionally scarred from this. I've never, and now I like, I'm really like careful about that. Yeah. Like if it's recorded. Uh, if it's recorded, my camera. If it's off. like, yeah, if it's recorded, I turn my camera off because yeah. I just don't want that to happen again. Yeah. Cause usually again, cause usually like stuff that they record, it's like big meetings where they're like, Oh, there's a presentation mm-hmm. to a bigger group yeah, of people like, or my something. Face doesn't need to be in I'm this. like, I don't need to, <laughs> Have my camera on right now. Yeah. So anyway, the research is there now. It's published <laughs> evidence. So I don't know what that means for everybody, but I'm gonna forward it to my boss and say <laughs> no more meetings. <laughs> it's gonna be like I, I I reserve the right to turn off my camera if I feel fatigued. I will be more productive. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for breaking news. The part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today, and we read them to you on the fly. Budgie! Ready, set, go! go. All right, I found this on the, on the New York Post. World's largest pot brownie weighs 850 <laughs> pounds. Oh my god! Whoa. I just saw this headline and uh, I, <laughs> I knew I must. Uh, so wow. a Massachusetts cannabis company unveiled a world record three foot long brownie <laughs> weighing more than 800 pounds. It's, it's not it's like, only three feet long. It's a, like, it's like a proportional brownie. Like it is like, like over a foot high and like, it's it's so oh, it's just it's like, like it looks square, like a it's giant like a three by three like rectangular prism, not like a just big pan or something. Oh, okay. It is a giant brownie. Um, I'll show you a picture of it. Um, it's 15 inches tall and 850 pounds. 850 pounds. That's so heavy. Uh, the brownie is more than three times the size of the 234 pound former world record holder, which was of the non weed variety, <laughs> <laughs> according to uh, Guinness World Records. Uh, the brownie. Sorry, the numbers of this. The brownie contains 20 grams of THC, which is the main psychoactive chemical in cannabis that in, uh, induces the high sensation. That's the equivalent of about 62 joints. <gasps> oh my goodness. That is an insane. That's a lot. That's an insane amount of THC. Um, other ingredients included 1,344 eggs, 
250 pounds of sugar, 212 pounds of butter, 122 pounds of cocoa powder, 81 pounds of flour, 5.3 pounds of vanilla extract, 2 pounds of baking powder, and 3 pounds of salt. (laughs) Everything's in pounds, including the salt. Including the salt. That's usually like, like a, a teaspoon. Yeah, it's yeah like there's a like teaspoon. a little bit of salt. Yeah. It's like three pounds of salt. <laughs> uh, the confection was released to commemorate the launch of uh, Merimed, which is the company. Uh, their new Bubby's Baked brand of brownies. Say that five times fast. Uh, each of which contains uh, only about five milligrams of THC. So significantly. A much more significantly normal amount. Less. Uh, Bubby's baked brownies are currently on sale throughout Massachusetts and are slated to hit dispensaries in Delaware and Maryland next year. So I have to show you this. I, I would love to see the photo. <laughs> this brownie. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how they baked it. Yeah, I, I'm also wondering that. I'm like, how did they cook it? I mean, it it looks burnt. <laughs> Is the other thing. So I don't know if it is or if that's just frosting on there. It doesn't look appealing. Hey, yeah, what, what did they put black frosting over yeah, the top of it? Yeah, it looks really gross, honestly. But it is, it's just a gigantic, gigantic, not cube, but. I still, looking at that, the, the weight of it surprises me. It's it's surprisingly high to me. I don't know why, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess brownies are pretty dense when, yeah, it, comes, when, when it comes to baked goods. That's so. true. So I, I guess it makes sense from that. Anyway, Just yeah, that, that doesn't it is, look very tasty. It does not look good. So. I don't know why the coloring is like black <laughs> like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah. that's that's pretty fun. The, that's fun. 850 pound pot brownie. Wow. <laughs> okay, I found this on CBS News. Um, the U.S. captioning company which captions and subtitles real-time events on TV and in courtrooms, has released a list of the most mispronounced words in, like, broadcasting from this year. Like, words that, like, news people and stuff get wrong. Okay, I love this. I was like, okay, yeah, I like this too. So I'm just going to read you the list (laughs) because this is fun. Okay. Okay, guess what the first word is. Yeah, that's too hard. There's too many it's words. It's chuggy. Chuggy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's I can like, only imagine. This keeps coming up. I can only like, imagine the number of like, ways that's been pronounced. How do they? How do chuggy. they? Chuggy. Like chuggy? You think? That would be my guess. This didn't say like some of them. It said how people are mispronouncing it, but it didn't say oh, that so for you all kind of, of have them. To guess, yeah. So that, that's the first one. The second one is Chipotle. I'm like, who doesn't know how to pronounce Still? that? Surely everyone's figured that out by now. <laughs> I know. It's not Chipotle. It's Chipotle. <laughs> um, or Chipotle. Chipotle. I think is oh. what my is what my my dad says. Oh really? <laughs> or oh, would say we have um, Dalgona, Dalgona, which is apparently pronounced Talgona. If you do it correctly, oh. at least according to this. Well, I have that that one. So I, I would have gotten that one wrong. Yeah, I know. Me too. Yeah, some of these I also like. I was like, oh, okay. It's it's Talgona is the correct pronunciation. Okay. If you don't know what that is, that is a Korean treat made with melted sugar and baking soda popularized in Netflix's Squid Game this year. That sounds year. delicious. Yeah. I mean, it, I haven't had one, but it does look good. Um, the next one is Dogecoin. Oh, of course, yeah. 
that's like okay, yeah, I could see people not knowing what that is. Dodge coin, doggy coin, yeah, right. There's probably a million ways. Um, Billy Eilish, the last name. Oh, which I have to admit, I thought was Eilish. Oh, okay. According to this, it's Eilish. Yeah, is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, um, I think I've heard enough people say it at this point that I know, but yeah, that it's that it's I don't know Eilish. if I when I originally saw it, I don't remember what I thought its pronunciation. Was. Yeah, I, I keep thinking it's a, like I don't know. I've pronounced it both ways. I feel like I, but yes, it's Eilish is the correct. Uh, the next one's Ethereum. Okay, another crypto. Another yeah, crypto related thing. Yeah. Then this was kind of stupid. They had ever given on here. You know that boat that got stuck. Yeah. How because, did they pronounce that? Because well, it's not that they mispronounced it. It's because evergreen was on the side of the ship oh they're counting okay. that as a mispronunciation that people yeah. kept calling it the evergreen mm-hmm. when that wasn't right i mean to be fair that was very misleading it was <laughs> and i also was confused by that i was like why does it say evergreen <laughs> if it's, it's the, the ever, ever given, given yeah. then why does it say evergreen <laughs> i don't understand this um Paint so this they boat. counted they counted that um next is um glasgow okay because I guess it's the host city of November's United Nations Climate Conference. Mm-hmm. And it was mispronounced by both President Joe Biden and former President Barack Obama, they said. <laughs> well. <laughs> and no one else knows how to pronounce that. It's funny. Um, the next one is uh, Kells, the Philadelphia Eagles center Jason Kells. What? But his last name is spelled K-E-L-C-E. K-E-L-C-E. Or is it Kells? C-E. Okay. Yeah. Actually, no, I'm not even I sure. I have what, no idea Their pronunciation pronounced, so. thing, I now don't know if it's... Kels it or Kels. Kels, I think. Yeah. Huh. Maybe people think it's Kelsey because there's an E at the end or something. Mm, yeah. Whatever, a sports person. I don't know. I don't know. I don't watch sports. <laughs> uh, Omicron, the yeah, new variant. That's not surprising at all. I've heard so many mis- mispronunciations. Mispronunciations. Yeah, according to <laughs> this. Mispronouncing mispronunciations. <laughs> according to this, there are two options. Omicron or Omicron, but it doesn't say Omicron, which that's, is how I've been yeah, pronouncing it. I would say Omicron too. So, but maybe Om- maybe the second one is that's the same thing. I don't know. Yeah, it says that Omicron. Is, that is kind of strange, though. Omicron. Yeah. yeah, it's mostly people saying like Omicron. I've heard a lot of, <laughs> oh, which really? is really funny to me because it's like it's <laughs> Very not a tra- it's not a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it kind of sounds like a transformer, though. A little bit, yeah. It is one of the cooler Greek letters, I will say. It's cool. Uh, then we have Shein, which is a Chinese fast fashion company at the center of the Shein Hall trend, in which participants record themselves trying on numerous different outfits from this company, which never, I had not heard of. Never heard of it, so. Shein. <laughs> Shein. Then there's another sports person, a tennis player. Uh, Stephanos Tsitsipas, who is apparently the worst. No. His name is... That is so unfortunate. I was was trying not to laugh. Trying not to laugh at this. How could you not laugh? Stephanos Tsitsipas. Is he? Um, he is the world's number four tennis player right now, and rose to international prominence this year. Um, in the tennis world, 
and apparently everybody pronounces his name wrong. So there's that. And then the last one is Yassify. Do you know that word? Because no. I didn't. This is a popular trend in which multiple beauty filters are applied to well-known pictures or portraits for comic effect. Okay. So it's like, yes, but like because they're just stacking filters on top of yeah. something? To, okay. It's like yassifying a I've picture. I've never heard that before. Yeah, I had Why are either. newscasters even saying that? I don't know. Yeah, but apparently they don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's their list of top top things, which was fun. That's really so, funny. Yeah. <laughs> this guy's name is so unfortunate. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm We're laughing. We're so sorry I'm if sorry. you're a listener. Stefanos, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Your first name is awesome. It's just yeah, it St- really the second, the surname really <laughs> needs a second pass. I mean, he's Greek. I bet in Greek it's like totally a normal oh, thing. Oh, I'm sure. I'm just sure for they some reason, just in like, English, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it, it probably is pronounced like in a completely different way because of the accent. It just sounds normal. But when we yeah. say it, it just sounds just, like we're struggling. Yeah, it's just, it's just hard to say. Um, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday, and as always, the links to this week's stories will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash knickknacknews, on Twitter at at knickknacknews, and on Instagram at knickknacknews. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.